The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a kick. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass podcast. This is the Punt and Pass pandemic podcast. That's right, another edition of the Quarantine Chronicles. I'm your host, Drew Butler, and we are joined by a very special guest on this episode of the Quarantine Chronicles. None other than Trevor Moad. Our listeners probably know who Trevor is. He's the mental conditioning coach for Georgia football. He's also been the mental conditioning coach for some of the top college football teams in the nation. He is a renowned mental conditioning expert. He was named the sports world's best brain trainer by Sports Illustrated. He's got a book out now called It Takes What It Takes, so be sure to look that up, download it, order it on Amazon, however you can get it. And he's recently formed Limitless Minds with Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson. You can follow Trevor on Twitter and Instagram at Trevor Moad. Follow me at Drew Butler, and of course, follow the show at Punt and Pass. Trevor, first things first. The world is crazy right now. I really appreciate you taking a little bit of your time to join me on the Quarantine Chronicles, talk through this crazy time, kind of get a little bit of background on what you do. And the reason I really wanted you on this week is because, one, I'm a huge fan of yours, and two, your message and what you do I think can bring a lot of actionable advice for our listeners and people can learn a lot of stuff. So first things first, how are you, my man? Thanks for joining us. Uh, obviously, uh, exciting to join Drew. Um, you know what you and Aaron Murray are doing, and just the message you guys are putting out. Um, I think it's uh, it's great. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a very interesting time right now. Um, and I actually think I was thinking about it this morning. I had to go into L.A. early this morning. There's literally nobody on the 405 or the 10, which is you know nuts. Um, probably what. You know, I'm always asked, you know, your time at Alabama, Jacksonville, the Dolphins, Georgia, Florida State, um, you know, what do you learn from the Drew Brutlers of the world or the Roquan Smiths of the world or the Mel Tuckers or the Kirby Smarts or the, you know, Scott Cochran or, you know, I mean, what do you learn being around these top coaches and players? I've always believed that what separates great performers many times is not what they do, but what they're willing not to do. And this is a moment in life, in time, whether you live in LA, you know, or if you live in Athens, Savannah, you know, um, Westchester, uh, Seattle, where uh, your restraint is so critical. 
not just in the social distancing aspect and, and the elements of that, but but what people are consuming right now, Drew, um, you know, is toxic. And so you need to find like um, I'm really good friends with the president of the L.A. Clippers and uh, and I consult with those guys uh, as well um, with, with um, coaches, players from time to time. I live right by there. Um, he's the one I talk to to get information and he gets his information from David Stern. I can't watch CNN right now. I can't what like, you know, it's, or a press conference. So um, I think the broader goal I would start with is, you know, if I'm listening to this podcast right now during the quarantine, during this window, you know, what is it that I could not do that would help my family, that would help my mind, that would help my body? Um, you know, Coach Saban would always call it rat poison. You know, if you were absorbing too much uh, of the hype, uh, but if you're absorbing, you know, negativity is 70 times more powerful than positivity. Um, so you have to really monitor your consumption intake. That's one of the, the things I would want um, Georgia fans who are so important to me, Georgia players who've already had this communicated to them uh, to understand at this point. Yeah, there's no doubt. And Trevor, I obviously have consumed a lot of your content, whether it be other podcasts that you've been a guest on, whether it be your book, checking out what you put out on social media. In the state of the world right now, there is just tons of uncertainty. There's so much sudden and abrupt change. I mean, not only from day-to-day life, people losing their jobs, people being put on furlough, the market dropping 30% in 22 days, like you just said, it's this absolute tsunami of negative news from sunup to sundown. We talked to people last week on the podcast, and it's like as soon as you check your email in the morning or you're having your coffee and you turn your TV on, you cannot get away from it. And from understanding and taking in your content, one of the things that really has resonated with me, and and when I'm in a funk, I kind of go back to it, is you said this in the past, and it had to do with the personal health scare that you had Earlier in your life, you sat back and you said, you know what, I'm not sure if positive thinking works, but I'm absolutely sure that negative thinking always works. And you just mentioned it. The power of speaking negativity out loud is 70 times more powerful. I mean, that is an insane metric, 70 times more powerful than not speaking it. So so tell me, you just said, don't watch CNN, and I've heard you talk about it in the past controlling what you consume. You talk about not listening to sad music. You talk about staying away from the negative news because it just permeates into your mind and puts you into a weird sense of state on a day-to-day basis. I think that goes back to your neutral thinking. Am I correct on that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, exactly, Drew. I think, look, traditionally, there's two states of thinking, positive or negative. And I think for many, for many people, uh, including myself, which the book goes into – um, it's not always easy to get to a positive frame of mind. Um, you know, you, you played one of the positions that's probably one of the more challenging uh, to get that way. So, um, you know, so neutral is, is there's this idea that there's positive and negative. And it's almost like negative is reverse and positive is forward uh, in a car. And, um, uh, you know, one of the things we embedded when, when I came and left Alabama to join Kirby um, at Georgia's and said, I really want to focus on helping our players learn how to become neutral and to stay more neutral. Um, if Jake, if we're going into the Florida game two years ago and the whole world wants Justin Fields and we're coming off a loss at LSU. And again, this is, you know, football and, and, and not life, but football and sports in general are great metaphors for life. Um, and, 
you know, there's a reality there. And I remember talking to Jake before the game, like you have a half to go out and put it together, you know, and, and, you know, where you, whether you find Holloman, whether you find, uh, you know, whatever you need to do, you're capable, but you got to go out and do it. You got to go out and perform the, the other game's over. What happens next is going to be based on what you do, not how you feel. And I remember he hits, uh, you know, a, a big third and nine for a touchdown. And then ultimately we went on uh, to, to build a big lead. And, and, and obviously that was coach McElwain's last game. Um, and, you know, and build a, you know, win that game. Um, but I'm, you know, my, the, the, the idea is that when bad things happen, they're real. And that's where I think positive thinking is a real jump. Hey, why are you telling me drew to be positive right now when, uh, I can't leave my house. I don't have a job. Uh, I'm struggling. I don't even know if there's going to be a football season, baseball season, basketball season. Um, and, and there's so much unknown right now. Um, so we end up settling for the only other alternative, which is negative. Um, and I'd rather aim low and miss, uh, you know, uh, the, the name high, um, and, and hit. And, 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 and so it's just this idea where the, the truth is I'd rather aim high and miss than aim low and hit. So I think to keep our expectations high, that we will get through this. And you just have to know your triggers. If you watch certain things and um, like, that's where I think right now, find a place to get your information. You know, uh, whether I'm talking to coach Tucker, like, you know, who's communicating with the players, um, who's communicating with the organization. You know, one of the teams I work with, their goal during this window is called win the weight. And I love that. Like we have this waiting period. Let's win it. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't know how long it's going to be, but let's win this time period. So um, I think people right now, um, and, and I think it's a good balance too, because businesses don't know what to do. So some businesses are doing 11 hours of conference calls a day. That's, you know, people like Drew have kids, they have families, you, you know, like people need to stay connected. They need to stay plugged in, but they also need time for balance. You know, I'm talking to these coaches, Hey, sleep until nine. You have more than enough time. Watch the fugitive, watch a movie, watch a series, but still also do your recruiting, take your time and all that other stuff. Uh, This is an incredible opportunity to learn how to be balanced. We spoke with Rodrigo Blankenship last week. Obviously you've worked with Rodrigo being around Georgia football for the past three to four years. And I mentioned to him, wow, what a unique time. I mean, when I went through the draft process, private workouts, teams would bring you in to talk to you, obviously the senior bowl, the combine. And for a kicker or a punter, they want to get their hands on you. They want to work you out. They want to talk to you. They want to chirp you while you're kicking. They want to see how you react. Rodrigo, probably not going to have that opportunity. You, of course, have worked and trained quarterbacks, the top quarterback prospects the past couple of years who are heading into the NFL. You help them in the classroom. You help them on the field from a mental aspect. How has that changed in the past couple of months? Are, are you still able to get on those conference calls with them? Are you still able to get the work done that you wanted to? Because again, as much uncertainty as they're having as the player, the front office and the coaches are having the same. So there's got to be some innate trust factor or they have to just rely on the scouts to say, you scouted this guy, you've seen the tape, you talked to him the amount of times you're allowed to. Now it's time to make a huge decision. How has that impacted you and what you do from day to day? Yeah, I mean, this year has been a little bit different. Normally, I go down and I film a show called Draft Academy on ESPN with uh, Carson Palmer's younger brother, Jordan. And he's got Burrow out there right now and then Montez from Colorado. Um, and then I think the quarterback from Hawaii. But the schedule's kind of been all over the place. I haven't really been down there at all. 
nor are we filming the show or any of those different types of things. So uh, I've actually been involved with the with the draft since 2001, since uh, Tim Couch, Cade McNown, and those guys. Um, so I think maybe 15, 16, 17 quarterbacks, something like that. Um, but look, the NFL is going to adapt. You know, they they over-index information. Look, I think the one issue is can we bring players back to Indianapolis for secondary screening? Like a Tua Tagovailoa. Look, the Combine and the Pro Days truthfully are, yes, meeting people in person, talking to them, et cetera, but a physiological test. Like, you know, physically is Drew's hamstring that he tore or Rodrigo's, you know, whatever from 11th grade still an issue. Um, and they look at it and then you get soft tissue evaluations and all those things. And then, and then they have to make a, an indication. I think for Rodrigo, he's going to be in great shape, but I think there's, you know, other young guys like a, a Brian Harrion or different guys that, that need every opportunity and, and need to sneak into camp. And now, you know, I was just out, uh, saw Mark Herzlich. It sounds like with the new CBA, there's going to be even less OTAs and less practices, even when you start. I mean, think about, I understand why the players did what they did. It's the only thing they could really win relative to revenue. But, I mean, you only had eight weeks of OTAs anyways or nine weeks that were really limited, which I understand because coaches exploited the, the, you know, the crap out of guys. Um, but, you know, what are you going to have now, six weeks? Um, so for young yeah. guys, I mean, you're not going to – it's going to be hard to make a team unless there's injuries. No, totally. And, and the NFL is on indefinite leave. Nobody knows when those OTAs are going to kick up. You have those two weeks of OTAs, which are really just meetings and workouts in the weight room before the draft happens. And then they kind of shuffle the rosters. You've got 90 uh, guys on the roster, four more weeks, like you just said, six weeks total before the end of minicamp. And then training camp comes around and it's, it is real life. Like you said, if you have a bad day at practice, you're in trouble. If you have two bad days in a row at practice, they're probably going to go shopping and try to figure out how they can make right. their roster better. So it is an extremely unique situation with the new CBA, with the indefinite leave from the COVID-19 outbreak, how all this is going to play out from an NFL perspective and for the prospects who are looking to get drafted or just make a team, like you said. It's an unbelievable set of circumstances that I think uh, everybody is having to deal with, which I think probably levels out the playing field a little bit. It's but not I think if you, if you play at a big-time program, you're coming from the SEC, Huge. if you played, uh, you're going to be at an advantage you no know, because they're, they're going to be able to measure you. Uh, I think it's going to be for, you know, I was a Division Division three guy. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a, a different challenge. But, look, the NFL will adapt. If they don't, they'll lose. Players will adapt. Um you know, and, and, and we'll find a way through. I was listening to Russell Wilson and Steph Curry on Instagram live talking about um, eventually we're going to get to the other side of this. Um, and, 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 you know, going back through to what you consume, there's nothing wrong with consuming CNN, right. Uh, or Fox or MSNBC or BBC or whatever. You just have to know yourself mm -hmm. relative to what you can handle. Absolutely. No, and you're 100% spot on there. You talk about adapt, and it's a word that you keep saying, kind of off topic. How do you think this four, six, eight-week period in American culture is going to change the future 
from an adaption standpoint because a lot of people are working from home. You just mentioned some companies are having 11 hours of Zoom phone calls. I bet some other companies are realizing that people could be more productive from home. Do you see this as kind of a pivot in the way things are done on a daily basis in American culture, or are we just going to go straight back to work as we've found to be so successful in the past? We know this is over. Well, you know, once the mind is changed by a new thought, it never goes back to its original form. I've always believed that. And and I think that the changes that we'll experience, look, I think we're going to take a, a, a really big look at our government and how important that is. We're going to take a, a good look at uh, preemptive preparation and how important that is. I think a lot of our country in politics and business and life was on cruise control, you know, and, uh, you know, the only way you can go forward on cruise control is if you go downhill. So I think that's a problem. So I, I, I think I think it's a great point, Drew. I think there will be a lot of adaptation. I think the great companies are going to do it. I think the Microsofts, I think the great uh, football programs, uh, the Georgias, the Alabamas, I think the New York Yankees are watching, you know, the Lakers, the Clippers, um, and, you know, just great organizations, um, 3M. You know, they're going to find a way to adapt and, and – uh, um, and we will get on the other side of this, uh, particularly if you understand the data. If the social distancing happens for 30 days, people, you know, um, I mean, we have a good, I have a good friend from ABC News, Kaylee Hartung. She mm-hmm. tested positive yep. out there in Seattle, and she's already on the back end of it. I posted kind of a cool little video for her on Instagram. Um, you know, most of the people that get it are going to go right through it, you know, and the, the key is staying neutral, which is just, you know, all right, if I have a little bit of a fever, a little bit of a cough, you know, just relax, hydrate, stay smart. You know, like you said, normally you go, might go into a hospital, you're there longer. You guys were in and out in 36 hours. Some people are panicking and psych themselves out if they're having a baby right in the middle of this. You guys clearly looked at it from, we have a new baby now, you know, and just, I, I think this is going to be a real good time for uh, what we're made of individually, number one. Uh, what you got because adversity exposes character. And then I think secondly, what type of community we are. Yeah, there's no doubt. You mentioned those great companies and community and the response to this. I look at high level college football programs as companies and, and you've worked for three of the best, most notably Florida state with Jimbo Fisher, Alabama with Nick Saban, and now Georgia with Kirby smart um, kind of, you, you said you spoke with Kirby this morning, and you said one team has kind of installed that win-the-wait time period. How do you see these guys being able to navigate the situation at hand? Because a lot of our listeners are Georgia fans. Georgia has a brand-new offensive coordinator in Todd Munkin. Georgia has a brand-new graduate transfer quarterback in Jamie Newman. Georgia has a brand-new special teams coordinator, Scott Cochran, a very famous and, and, and big-time hire. Uh, coming over from Alabama, it, it seemed like if one team with a lot of expectation needed spring practice, it was Georgia, and, and now they don't have it. So, so how do you see the coaching staff and the players being able to collectively move forward and, and, and try to come out with an advantage from this time period? Well, you know, it's interesting. About four years ago, we inter- kind of instituted this program, uh, you know, mindset. And, you know, this last year we called it, um, it takes what it takes. Uh, you, you, you saw the theme. You saw even Rodrigo at his uh, award ceremony said it takes what it takes. Um, so I think there's a good architecture and infrastructure physically, mentally, psychologically. Uh, and, and I think the other reality is 
uh, nobody's grad transfers are practicing. Nobody's players are practicing. Um, you know, and that's where when the weight we're talking about organization is professional team, which guys are foam rolling, which guys are stretching, which guys are working out. You might have a LeBron or Kawhi Leonard that are doing everything they're supposed to be doing. And, you know, three 21 year olds that aren't doing anything. So I think right now, um, and this is where coach smart and, and it's it, such incredible attention to detail as well as coach Fisher and, and, and obviously being mentored by coach Saban, but giving the players the schedule, the architecture, the infrastructure um, to, to, to stay on pace. I call it the lottery theory. The more lottery tickets you have, Drew, the better chance you have to win. Doesn't mean you're going to win it and you can win with less tickets, but the more things you do well, um, you know, we, Kirby and I would always talk about the aggregate of marginal gains. Well, you don't have as many opportunities to get better right now. So I think the teams that take advantage of it will. And uh, some people are going to be for the first time in their life. Uh, physically as healthy as they've ever been because their bodies have recovered. And that might be a win, uh, you know, that's going to help. And then the grad transfer, you know, Russell Wilson transferred uh, to Wisconsin and had his first practice uh, or workout July 7th and, you know, won the starting job August 2nd. So, you know, people can, can learn and instill and, and play really good and learn it all in three weeks. So I think coach smart, uh, you know, I know for a fact he's got a really good plan. He's controlling what he can control. Organization is staying neutral. Uh, Coach Munkin's been around a long time. Coach Cochran's been coaching special teams. Going all the way back to when Joe Judge was there, who's now kind of dealing with the same issue up in uh, New York. Um, and then uh, and then just navigating it. But uh, Georgia football will win the weight. Uh, and who, who knows what other organizations are going to do right now. Yeah, no question. I mean, I would uh, certainly – trust in coach smart i think that's one of the things that a lot of the fans have come to understand you understand the process that he has brought to georgia the culture change that he has brought and the success that he has had you just learn hey we're going to trust this guy and winning the weight certainly seems like a big time factor right now i love what you said about the aggregate of marginal gains because i've heard you talk about it i've heard coach smart talk about it in relation to golfers and scoring average and how that plays into earnings on the course it's a wild stat if you can dive into that a little bit i'd love for our listeners to hear it because to me it makes me think of one thing that i always used to tell myself when i played football was the harder you work the luckier you get i mean that's just what happens if you work hard the ball's gonna bounce your way more times than not kind of like your lottery ticket more times that yeah more more times than not well you know one thing people don't know about coach smart is coach smart will do four or five public speeches a year some for the business school, the Terry College of Business. And, and so if Coach Smart's going up to speak to 300 businessmen in, a, in the greater Georgia, Atlanta area, um, he's not going to play around. Like He's not going to just go up there and, and just answer football questions. So a lot of times I'll come out with them. We'll prepare because this, this, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And so we, we want to prepare analogies that make sense uh, broader from sports to business and, and business back to sports. So one of them was um, – you know, 2017, the statistics, uh, Brooks Kepka and Justin Thomas. Um, Justin Thomas was the number one with $10 million, 86 rounds of golf. Kepka was number eight, $5 million, 86 rounds of golf. Um, golf typically is measured in strokes per round. So the, the general thought would be to score $5 million more in the same 86 rounds, you had to play much better talent-wise. Well, uh, Thomas averaged 69.1 um, 
you know, excuse me, 69.5 uh, uh, shots per round, um, and uh, Kepka was 69.9, or one putt for every 21 holes was the difference in $5 million. Um, you know, and, and our point was um, the side edge is minimal. You know, uh, UPS saves six, $600 million a year by not taking left turns on their routes. Because you take left turns, you stop and you waste gas. They save almost $600 million uh, in gas money. You know, great organizations think that way. They do simple better, like Dr. Elko always talks about. Um, they do simple better. But they also are big time thinkers, um, you know. So I think that that's uh, what you're seeing right now. Marginal gains are um, uh, not banging your head against the wall, figuring out a plan for your kids, right? So Coach Smart has three kids. Uh, how you balance that? How you balance recruiting? Um, how you balance NCAA? I didn't change his rules. You can't call players more, so players have to call. And then a lot of the players are dealing with have their own circumstances. We, we, we know this, the, the situation many of your teammates, um, you, you know, battled through. Um, so how are they navigating through it? A lot of them, um, you know, in all rounds of life, but certainly in sports, uh, their families have lost their jobs. Um, you know, and your scholarship money is not going to pay for your whole family. So look, it's going to be a, an interesting time. Um, and winning the weight is not easy. Uh, but, um, you know, how we navigate it th through it as Georgia fans as Georgia alums, um, you, you know, and normally uh, I go back to the tornado in Alabama 10 years ago and you look to sports to inspire us through a difficult moment like 9-11. Well, the sports world isn't immune to this. So everybody's dealing with it right now. So um, that's why I think probably the most important thing right now, Drew, that I would say is just really monitor your consumption, you know, um, and, and control what you watch and what you listen to. You need to stay informed. But like, but let's be honest, the rules are fairly clear. There's some good websites to go to, but the rules are fairly clear. You know, wash your hands, maintain at least six feet, keep your groups under 10, you know, all these basic things. Why do you need to watch seven hours of news to, to, to tell you what you already know? Um, you know, and then, um, and then if, if, if you find yourself dealing with this, uh, the simple truth is the vast majority of people, uh, even if they've got to deal with respirators and other things, uh, the doctors are going to get you through it. So um, stay the course. The mission continues, uh, you know, and um, uh, no matter what happens, if we get no practice, we'll find a way, you know, and if the season's delayed, then it, so be it. I think football will be uh, um, okay. I think college and pro football, I think the cadence that, College football normally goes through. is going to take a hit, uh, you know, just because you're normally you have three weeks off for the players in May and three weeks off for the coaches in July. And it'll be some weird version. You know, maybe the NCAA is going to let you use July. You know, who knows? So um, uh, but adaptation, like you mentioned, is everything. Yeah, you, you kind of talking about what you can control and, and not having to worry about things that are, are so far out of our control reminds me of when I was with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Coach Mike Tomlin. I mean, he praised that. He dealt every day in, in <clears throat> such a black and white way. I, I really learned to appreciate it. There is no gray area. And one of the things that he always said 
was we're not going to waste one second worrying about something that we can't control. And a lot of times in Pittsburgh, you're talking about the weather, a terrible field surface if you're going to go play in Cleveland, a bad thunderstorm or a bad snowstorm is going to come, so you better get to the stadium two hours early and factor that in. You have to control what you can control. And with these crazy set of circumstances, it seems like, Everybody is taking those steps and those measures to make sure that that will benefit them in the long run. One question, one more question kind of about your work with Georgia. Obviously, you've talked about Coach Saban. You've talked about Coach Fisher. What's the biggest difference that sets Kirby apart from those two guys? Because they all three worked together so long together uh, for such a long time. What's the one thing that you kind of see that Coach Smart does and you go, wow, he's kind of got that it factor that maybe the other two don't have? Well, you know, I mean, first of all, Coach Smart's nine years younger than Coach Fisher and, you know, 20 years younger than Coach Saban. Um, and that's just, you know, that's just, you know, what generation you grow up in, things along those lines. Um, uh, they're all incredible people in, in different ways. Uh, I think Kirby's very relatable. I think he has a very unique ability to be really well-liked. Not that that matters, um, but uh, it does. Um, I, I think uh, he's a relentless competitor. Um, he will not uh, compromise. Um, his general beliefs relative to his foundation. Um, I'm not objective when it comes to the quote unquote Sabin architecture, but I have been around. I've seen others, obviously working with Russell all the years, you know, understanding how Pete Carroll does it. Um, I would say a Pete Carroll versus a, a Kirby smart, a Pete Carroll, he's going to hold you to the standard of being hyper competitive chip on your shoulder, uh, whatever it takes. And if you can't sustain that standard, you won't make it. I think, uh, but he's going to let you do whatever you want to do as long as you sustain that standard. I think where Coach Smart's probably different is he's not going to let you do whatever you want to do. Um, he's going to probably micromanage a lot more, create an architecture that's that's going to give you less rope to hang yourself. Um, and I think he would do that if he was in the NFL or in college. Um, and th- there's nothing wrong with Pete's, which is this is this is what it takes. This is we have all these resources. You can use them, but you know it's your life. Whereas we have all these resources, and you are using them. And uh, you know, when I come in or I speak or I present or my part, which is one part of a lot of different parts, psychologically, physically, etc. Um, y- you know, uh, there's going to be guys that I connect with and relate with a lot more than others. Some years it's you know a small group that I really connect with, and other groups it, it's larger. Uh, that we try to have some basic education for everybody. Uh, but, um, you know, but if I can hit seven and someone else can hit eight and coach Sinclair can hit 40, you know, and, you know, like then eventually we're, we're aggregating the marginal gains. And I think that that's where, uh, and then also firm on your conviction. If a player says, I don't like the strength conditioning program, that player is not going to be able to get that coach fired. You know, coach smart has, and like in the NBA, I love the NBA, but I used to work for the Grizzlies. The players didn't like the uh, nutritionist. He didn't want them eating uh, hot dogs, so they complained to the 37-year-old owner, and the guy fired fired the nutritionist and the cook in a week. You know, he just didn't want to deal with it. But the guy was really good. You know, so at, at some point you have to have a backbone, and you have to have this is how we're going to do it. Um, and uh, and that's where I think Kirby does a great job. Jimbo and Nick obviously do it well, but Kirby has come in, and I don't I don't know a lot about Mark Richt, but Kirby set the tone and has lived up to that standard and holds himself and the staff to it. I think he did a really good job, too, of keeping both coordinators for four years, which is not easy to do. 
It's huge. No, it's huge, and it's it's worked out extremely well. The thing that I saw, you know, I played for Coach Rick, and then I was in the NFL when Kirby came and took over, and then I moved back to Atlanta. Crazy timing, 2017, when the, when the great run happened, and Georgia was one play away from a national championship. Really, when I was getting into broadcasting. From an outsider's perspective, not as a former player, not as an alumni, I had never seen a complete buy-in from everybody. And when I say everybody, I'm talking about the players, I'm talking about the coaches, I'm talking about the media that covered the team, I'm talking about the fan base. I mean, chop wood, it takes what it takes, next day, they were number one in the nation, you know, you get... Your ass kicked by Auburn in Auburn, but then it was a complete reset, and then everybody was focused back on the next thing. I had never really seen that, and I think it really went towards that conviction that Kirby had towards building the program and really what he's been able to accomplish in such a short amount of time to bring that success to Athens. It's a huge hat tip to him. I know you help him out a lot with that from a culture Well, it starts aspect. at the top. It's huge. It starts at the top. I mean, I remember Maria Taylor comes the morning of the national championship, and I'm in the room with one of our key players – and she sees me in there, and then uh, I get this player on the phone with him that I think could really help him, and then I step out of the room, let him talk, and Maria's like, oh, my God, what's wrong with him? Is everything okay? And I was like, we, we've done this the last two years, every game, every night or, or every morning of the game. What do you mean? I'm like, sports psychology, the, the belief is you don't have to be sick to get better. Yeah. You know, so, so that's just what we do, and, uh, you know, I'll meet with 30, 35 guys, and for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 12 minutes with the team, six minutes, eight minutes, whatever. It's one part of a huge puzzle, and we do it whether we win or lose. And people, I can't tell you, you know how it is in sports, how many people are looking for gimmicks. Yeah. That's why sports psychology as a business has never grown. I mean, it takes what it takes. I'm so excited. And I wrote the book with Andy Staples uh, from The Athletic, but I'm so excited. We've sold like 30,000 copies now. And that people are getting it and they're learning more about what we're doing because the industry itself has never grown. There's a handful of us in the whole world. Very few people get the relevance where you get to the opportunities that, that, that I've been able to get from, from these guys, which I think I've earned. Uh, but, you know, if um, it, it's not like every kid loves it. So kids could say that guy's a slap. And then but Kirby will say, well, then shut your mouth and you don't have to meet with them one on one, you know, and, and, and that's just a big deal. Um, the conviction organizationally to, to, to stick to your standards. Now, if you have somebody in sports psychology or strength conditioning or, or, or compliance that can't carry their weight, if I'm not carrying my weight, then you make a change. But you're not changing the philosophy. And that's what I think, you know, um, and I don't know Mark Richt. I've always heard he's an incredible person. But he came from Coach Bowden's system. I had two years under Coach Bowden. Obviously, towards the end, it was different. It was cool. The testimonials, the devotionals, the night before the games, all the different types of things. You know, I loved it. I loved Graham Gano, um, Christian Ponder, a lot of our guys. Uh, but it was nowhere near the same architecture or the attention to detail that we had uh, at uh, um, that Florida State. That Florida State would ultimately become. No, I, and I love what you say, too, about giving guys a piece of advice and doing that consistently. Like when Maria said, well, what's wrong with the guy? You said nothing. I mean, I talked to 30, 35 guys for five minutes weekly, and it's not just this massive flood of information, right? It's not like you're having these guys' head spin. It's kind of reconnecting with them, giving them that one thought that they can take into game day that keeps them 
ready to roll, that keeps their mindset Zoom focused to be able to go out there and take care of the task at hand, which I think is huge, and I think it's very necessary, so it's a big testament to what you're able to do. Before I ask you these last questions, tell us a little more about It Takes What It Takes and where people can buy it. Um, I know you worked on it for a long time. I've read it. I think it's absolutely awesome, and again, just the the development of the sports psychology landscape has been great, and I'm glad to see you at the forefront of it. Uh, Can you hear me just fine? Yeah. Um, well, it takes what it takes. Uh, you know, you can get it think big dash go Um, and it's anywhere on audible, uh, Amazon, um, you know, Barnes and Noble, any of those different places. Uh, but it's, it's really an interesting journey using college football, pro football, basketball, soccer as a metaphor for neutral thinking, the idea of the illusion of choice, um, uh, visualizing the power of internal and external talk. Um, you know, it's 12 chapters. Uh, uh, Russell Wilson uh, wrote and, and reads the foreword. Uh, a really easy read. I probably have a 40 IQ, Drew. Um, so uh, it's not very difficult. Um, but I, I do think the idea of neutral thinking, this middle ground, uh, could be really powerful, um, you know, in 2020, uh, particularly the middle of March. I know for my own life, my own unique challenges, which I open up to some degree in the book, um, you know, it's been mission critical for me. And there's nothing better than hearing, uh, you know, uh, uh, Swift say at the end of a game, what makes Shake from, um, you know, so good is his ability to stay neutral in big moments. And just the fact that our players have become fluid in that language. We went down in our retreat last year um, to uh, Pensacola. And just you know, spent three days with with all sorts of top people and performers and and learning and, and being educating on this and having our top twelve players become force multipliers. So uh, I just I, I love the system. I love being a part of Georgia. It's hard sometimes living in L.A. Uh, getting out there, but um, I'm excited for next year. Excited to play Alabama. What a what a cool thing. Um, and then I love the alumni interaction. I mean, yeah, you guys had different coaches, but there's so many guys that I've been able to meet like you and. And so many other really cool players, uh, no Sean, um, obviously Aaron that, uh, you know, um, are just, uh, Kirby, I think has done a great job welcoming, but such a big family and a great community. And I think uh, that's facilitated from Jonas, uh, you know, to coach Kevin, uh, to your dad, to so many other people. Yeah, no question. And if, you know, Trevor's worked with Russell Wilson for a long time. You've heard him mention him, and Russell wrote the foreword of the book, It Takes What It Takes. And he also just said it's great to hear Swift at the end of the game say, Jake is so good at staying neutral. That's incredible. Yeah, so when you watch NFL films and they're showing Russell Wilson react to the insane ebbs and flows of NFL football games that have massive implications, you see how he processes the information, you see how he reacts to what's happening in the game, you can see just how big of an effect uh, and, and an influence that Trevor has with his work and with his book, It Takes What It Takes. Trevor, I got a couple more questions for you before sure. I let you go. I'm a huge fan of Tim Ferriss. I'm not sure if you know who Tim Ferriss is. He's got a great podcast I do. called The Tim Ferriss Show. He's I've big heard his on- podcast, but he's obviously, his books have been incredible. Yeah, the incredible such incredible performers. No doubt. So I like to hijack a couple of the questions that he asks his high performers that kind of get to human optimization. And I thought- who better to ask than you? So if you will, I'm going to entertain you with a handful of questions here. You ready for these? Yep. Awesome. Uh, first one. In the last three years, really three to five years, 
What new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? Uh, Say that again. In the last three to five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? I think my understanding of the minimization of negativity, I don't know that I understood that uh, as much. Uh, Learning how to control what I consume, what I listen to, what I watch, who I surround myself with. I think it's uh, been a game changer in my life because I'm always in control of those things. I think I I, I tried to control my self-talk so much internally, and I was so up and down with that, Drew. I think learning how to control the externalization and the consumption has been a game changer for me. That's huge. I think I can probably work on that because I like to work on the self-talk a lot too, but that can get a a bit overwhelming at times. Um, And that leads me to the next question. When you feel overwhelmed or unfocused, what do you do? I go back to the basics, just go back to the fundamentals and just, you know, take an inventory, uh, go for a walk. You you know, I've, I've had a lot in the last seven months that I've been going through, uh, and some really good and and some not so, um, you know, so really having an understanding and appreciation. Uh, we always talk about it at Georgia, uh, to give each moment a history and a life of its own, um, you know, to really be able to create a new path forward. So, um, I can't think of a, a better, more important skill now than to really take in inventory and go back to the basics. Um, this is a good one for the times right now. What's your favorite movie or are you streaming something on Netflix right now? No, I went back and watched a little house of cards. Um, and, um, Ozark comes out Friday, which is, you gotta love Jason Bateman. Absolutely. Um, uh, we watched Tony Robbins. uh, I'm not your guru, which is pretty cool. It's a great one. Um, and, uh, and so I, I try. Uh, I, I've got a young guy, Sean Faska, that works with the Limitless Minds, our our business with Russell, uh, his brother Harrison, and DJ, who came in from Ohio, and we knew what was what, what was about to happen. And I've got a three bedroom place, so he's been living here. So every day we've been doing some digital content, just trying to make sure we stay mobile. And um, and, and so every night we're kind of watching one or two movies, um, and uh, you know. I still can't get him off the phone because he's 28 years old, but, uh, but, uh, trying to you know, pick something that's that like I watched the fugitive Harrison Ford was awesome. Yeah. So I uh, def- definitely doing something, um, our relative to series, um, you know, and, and not consuming a ton of it. I will say this early on when I was really struggling, I kept, wa- I kept making myself watch TV. Uh, I did consume a couple series, uh, I watched like two straight seasons of Entourage because I had nothing else to do, but I didn't want to watch news. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I love like really shitty reality TV shows. I mean, that's like my vice. Right. I mean, Bravo, you know, Bachelor, so good. all that stupid stuff. I'm a big so fan good. of that. Particularly if you're happily married. When yes. you're not happily married, yeah. it's a little rough, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, what do you think of when you hear the word successful? I really relative, you know, I, I, I think, you know, whether you're cleaning houses, whether you're teaching, whether you're, I, I definitely have never defined it uh, financially, but I do define it relative to achievement that whatever you're doing, that you found a way to get to the top of it. Um, you know, and that might be the top of a field like mine, which has like eight people, you know, yeah. doesn't have a real high top. It's not a lot of people competing against us in sports psychology. Uh, or, you know, it might be to be uh, Rodrigo Blankenship or, um, you know, uh, one of CNN's heroes, whatever, uh, but people that are making a difference. Yeah. Yeah. And then last question for you, Trevor, what's the best advice you've ever received? 
I think the best advice I got was as a, uh, I was just finishing up high school or, or college. I was all over the place struggling to find my identity. Um, and uh, a friend of mine's father, who was successful, you know, said, hey, look, um, your goal is by 35 years old to be doing what it is you love to do. And man, I was, you know, 20 at the time. And that was really powerful. It gave me the flexibility to navigate through teaching pro soccer education all over the place. And, you know, by my late 20s, I was sort of doing what I, what I wanted to do. And then by my mid-30s, I focused more on maybe making some money. You know, so uh, that was probably the best advice. Uh, it didn't make me slow down, but it just allowed me to understand that, that uh, you know, it's going to take some time. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, man, those are great answers to your questions. Um, Trevor, I can't thank you enough for your time. I know our audience is going to get a ton out of this podcast. You are for sure probably my white whale when it came to these quarantine chronicles. Thanks so much for making the time for us. Be sure to follow Trevor on social media at Trevor Moad. Buy the book, It Takes What It Takes. Follow me as well at Drew Butler and the show. Punt and pass. Trevor, stay safe out west, my man. Hope to see you in Athens soon when everybody's allowed back into the real world. But thank you, thank you once again, and uh, we'll be sure to keep in touch. So check in tomorrow. We'll have another episode of the Punt and Pass Quarantine Chronicles. And uh, we'll talk to you then. See you. All right, go dogs. Go dogs.